I woke up this morning singing, it's the most wonderful time. Not because it's the Christmas season, but because of the extra hour of sleep. It is my favorite Sunday of the year. <laughs> so we are in this series and we're calling it Unchanging and things in the world we live in right now are changing. Last week, as we kicked this off, Pastor Rick talked about his experience at the airport and on an airplane and those things that had changed since the last time he flew pre-pandemic. Things have changed, and that's true in just about every aspect of life, right? I mean, in some areas of our economy, there are more jobs looking for people than people looking for jobs. We have a backlog in our supply chains that is causing all kinds of interesting challenges. I was talking to one of the guys in the church who has been in a particular business for decades, and he was saying that they currently have met all of their sales goals for the next three months. He said, we literally wouldn't have to sell another thing for three months and hit our goals. He said, it's never been like this in all of the years I've been in this business. It's an amazing time, right? Things are changing. This is probably a time of the most profound change affecting the most number of people in recent history in our country. So some of the changes, you know, are good. Some are good for some, not so good for others. Those of you who are now working remotely, working from home, some of you think that is awesome. Others of you can't stand it, right? But even with good change, it brings the need for us to make adjustments in our life. Change creates uncertainty, and sometimes that uncertainty feels a lot like chaos. The thing about change is even good change, it affects all of us differently. And so it's into this kind of swirl of change that, that we have all been feeling and we were talking about in our preaching planning meetings and we said, you know, it'd be nice to talk about things that are unchanging in the midst of all of this change. And so this series comes out of that recognition that there are unchanging things. And so we wanted to talk about some unchanging things here at Hope Church. Last week, Pastor Rick said that one of the things that's unchanging is God still wants to meet people. People still want to meet God, and hope is still a meeting place. This morning, I want to talk about discipleship. One of the things that has been unchanged in most, if not the whole run of this church, has been the recognition that discipleship, making disciples, is job one for the church. And this isn't just us, this isn't just some clever idea that we at Hope have. This is what Jesus told his followers to do. In Matthew chapter 28, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, 
he said to his followers, go into all the world and make what? Disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Go make disciples. He didn't say go make converts. He said go make disciples. So what is that? What exactly is a disciple? You know, it's not a word that we hear much in our culture, right? You don't hear the word disciple much. And what I've recognized when I thought about this is that those times that we do hear the word disciple, it's usually in a negative kind of thing. It's, you know, disciples of some cult leader or disciples of some, you know, crazy lunatic type of person who's leading people in dark ways. That's when we hear the word disciple in our culture most often. But what is a disciple really? At its root, a disciple is a student, a follower, an apprentice. When Jesus called his original disciples, you remember what his his invitation was? Come, follow me. Follow me. That's what it is to be a disciple. Come, follow me. Jesus was saying, come and walk alongside me. Come, watch what I do. Come, listen to what I say. Come be with me, and I'm going to show you the way and the truth and the life. You know, when I describe my own faith, I rarely describe myself as a Christian or a United Methodist. I don't describe myself in categories like conservative or progressive and and so forth. That's not the way I talk about my faith. When I talk about my faith, I say that I am a Christ follower. I'm a Christ follower. I follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. Jesus is my leader. Jesus is my teacher. Jesus is my guide. Jesus is my mentor. I follow Jesus. You know, I recently, um, sadly, learned of the death of um, one of our members who he and his family had moved away at least a decade ago, maybe longer. But they were part of the church in the earliest days. And he came to us, like so many came to us, he had some vague idea about Uh, what it meant to be a Christian and something about Jesus and really all he wanted was to raise his kids in a church setting and so that's why he came. But he was a good guy and he got to know some of the other men in the church and became friendly with those guys and one of those guys was a guy who had also come in a similar way. You know, he just came because his wife dragged him here and he came as seldom as he could get away with and keep a happy marriage, right? But then Jesus got a hold of him, and his faith began to grow. 
and he got involved in a small group that I was leading on Thursday mornings. And so he was trying to get other guys to come to this Thursday morning Bible study. And he started bugging this guy, Jerry. And uh, Jerry didn't want to do it. And he had all kinds, you know, I'm busy, I'm traveling, it's too early in the morning, I'm not a morning person, on and on and on. And finally, just to shut this guy up, he said, fine, I'll come. Like, holy mackerel. And guess what? He didn't hate it. <laughs> and I watched week in and week out as Jerry's faith began to take root. He began to ask questions as we'd go through the scriptures and he'd begin to share how it was connecting with his life and how surprising that all was to him. And I just marveled as I always do, to see somebody whose faith begins to grow right before my eyes. And pretty soon, Jerry became that annoying, nagging friend telling other guys they ought to come to Bible study. It's not magic. Discipleship isn't magic. And friends, it's rarely dramatic. The transformation that Jesus does in our lives is rarely dramatic. There may be dramatic moments, but it's not about drama. It's, it's sort of like, the way I would describe it, it's sort of like a workout. You know, when you decide you're going to uh, get in shape physically and you start doing whatever the exercise, whatever the routine is going to be, and initially it just feels like a lot of pain and no gain, right? You're just working and you don't notice anything. But then... If you stick with it, you begin to see like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing some improvement. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more limber, whatever it might be. And you start to see some progress. And then there'll be a plateauing, you know, and you'll be there for a while. And then, then you see some more progress. And plateaus and progress and plateaus, sometimes there's setbacks. That's the same kind of thing it is as followers of Christ, that we have that same kind of of experience. I think one of the best things, if not the best thing, that has not changed, even in the midst of all of the changes of the last year and a half, has been how hope helps people become disciples, students, followers of Jesus. So how does that happen? How does one grow in their faith? How does one become a follower of Jesus? Now, if you've been around for more than just a few weeks, you have heard the phrase. And I hope if you've been around longer that you have memorized the phrase. That to be a disciple is to be in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. The process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. The ultimate goal of our faith is to be like Jesus, right? That Jesus' priorities become my priorities, that Jesus' values are my values, that Jesus' temperament and motives, all of the motivating things in our lives 
become more and more like him. And that the closer I come to him, the more my faith is growing, the more I am conformed to him, the more it blesses those in my life. We're not trying to grow in our faith so that we become holier. We're not trying to grow in our faith so at the end of our lives we have faith that we enter into heaven with. We are growing in our faith. We are growing, conforming to Jesus for the sake of others that as you grow in your faith, you become a better husband to your wife or wife to your husband, a better parent to your kids, a better friend, a better part of the community of faith because you are conforming to the image of Christ. So what's this process? You know, we say it's a process. And I think that's so important. It's not magic. It's not instant. It's rarely dramatic. It's a process. It's a process. So what's the process, right? Here at Hope, we have identified kind of five strategies for making a disciple, five categories, if you will, that are part of this process. And I want to go through those real briefly uh, this morning in our time together. And as I go through them, I want you to be thinking about where am I in this area of my spiritual life? What does it look like in my life? I don't want you to just hear these words and let them just, you know, be words bouncing around. But to think about what, what does this mean for me? What does this look like in my life? Is this an area of my life that, that I feel like I'm doing well in? Is this an area of my life that I feel like I could, I could grow in? Okay? So the first one is worship. Worship. Part of the process of conforming to the image of Christ is time spent in worship, both private and corporate worship. We're called to do both. Worship is that time that we spend in offering God our praise, our adoration. It's a time of prayer. It's a time of opening our minds to the word of God, to listen for it and to interact with it. It's the times of worship. And what we like to say here is that worship is central to everything else that we do as disciples of Jesus. Worship is the, the heart, if you will, of our spiritual life. And, and by heart, I mean that muscle, the heart, right? So what happens in the heart, all of the, uh, the cells in the body, you know, they gather together they come into that organ and they receive the nutrients that they need for life they come into the heart and they receive those nutrients and then they're pumped out to take those nutrients to the rest of the body I think that's a great image of worship we gather together in these places as we're called to do 
that we might receive these nutrients so that as we are worshiping him in the ways that we sing and the prayers that we pray and the things that we do in worship and we're opening our minds to God's word, that he is giving us the spiritual nutrients that we need so then as we go out into our lives, we can be a blessing to others. Here's what scripture tells us about true worship. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, right? All that you are, all that you have, you bring into worship and you bring it out into the world. That's the kind of worship that God desires from us. It's not just coming and sitting uh, through a, a service and so forth. It really is all that we do. So we come here for nutrients, we go out into the world, to continue our worship of God by the ways that we live our lives, okay? So worship is one of the ways that we uh, are in this process of being conformed to the image of Christ. The second is to connect, to connect, to be a part of a body, to joining together with other Christ followers so that the Holy Spirit is working in and through us in a unique way. Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered together, I am with you. There's something unique and special that happens when we gather together. And so we come together as fellow believers to encourage and support and challenge and instruct and work together that's what the church is about. And when we're doing that, that's when I would describe the church as God's dream community. When we're living that way together, when we are serving in those ways, serving each other, connecting in that way, the Holy Spirit does amazing things in our midst. In Acts chapter 2, at the end of that chapter, it's one of the scriptures that I come back to so often because it's a powerful picture of the church at its birth, but also at its best, a description of what the church was doing at its birth and at its best, I think. And in those verses at the end of chapter two, it says all the believers were together and shared everything in common. All of the believers were together, connected. They were together praying together and learning together and eating together and supporting each other in every way. And in the midst of that, each individual was growing in his and her faith. And that community of faith was having powerful influence on the world around them. Man, 
I love that scripture. I'm going to preach on that again because I just love that one so much. I'm going to do a series on that one. It's going to be long. I've got a lot to say about that. It's good stuff. This is why, friends, we encourage people here to volunteer, to get into small groups or micro groups because there are no Lone Ranger Christians. I think one of the biggest threats of COVID has been the loss of connection and isolation. And I want to say to those of you who are online, online is a great alternative, a great way to worship. It's a way to be connected. Some of you wouldn't be able to be here physically even if you wanted to be because of where you live. So I'm thrilled that we have an online option. But what I want to say is if your only connection in your faith is online worship, I want to encourage you to get involved in some other way with other believers, whether here or someplace else. You need that connection. We all need that connection. So volunteer somewhere with other believers. Get in a small group. Even an online small group is fine. It doesn't have to be in person, but to have that intimate contact with others is an important part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Well, the third one then is the third strategy in becoming a follower, a disciple of Jesus and growing in that area is to grow, to grow. Grow, when we talk about growth, we're simply talking about spiritual disciplines, the practice of spiritual disciplines in our lives. And there is a large number of things that would fall in this category. Some are very familiar. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Reading scripture is a spiritual discipline. The practice of generosity, using your time, gifts, and talents, finances uh, to bless others, spiritual discipline. Sabbath is a spiritual discipline. Fasting, spiritual discipline. So it's these spiritual disciplines at work within your life. Now, here's the thing about conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Notice we don't say to conform yourself to the image of Christ because we can't do that. If you're trying to force yourself to somehow be like Jesus, it it doesn't work. We are in the process of being conformed. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. Our job and the purpose of spiritual disciplines is to put yourself in a position where the Spirit can conform you to the image of Christ. So the times that we spend in prayer and Bible study and so forth are simply putting you in a position for the Spirit to transform you. You know, a number of years ago, I was... uh, doing a Vesper service at a retirement community. And after the service was over, one of the directors came up to me and said, there's a, there's a gentleman who would love to uh, have you stop by his apartment to talk. And so I went to this guy's apartment. I didn't really know him. And uh, went in, and he was a sad, angry, broken guy. And he said, you know what, Pastor? I went to church every Sunday for 40 years, and what did it get me? My wife's dead. My kids don't talk to me. Nobody from the church visits me. Why did I bother? 40 years. 
I said, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Tell me about what you did at the church. I was an usher. Every week, I handed people the bulletin. Halfway through the service, I'd go, you know, with the others and pass the plates. I'd collect up the plates, and I'd go count the money. When did you count the money? You know, when the preacher was doing his thing. Okay. I said, so... Did you ever go to an adult Sunday school class or small group? No. Did you ever read the Bible? No, not really. How about prayer? That was my wife's department. You know, she prayed every night before dinner. Did you ever go on a retreat, a mission trip? I didn't have time for all that stuff. I left that apartment feeling so bad for this guy, but not surprised. He really did waste his time showing up to church for those 40 years, for that hour every Sunday. It's not about that. It's about putting ourselves in a position where God can grow us. That's why it's so important. That's, again, why we encourage the things that we encourage you to do, not for the institution of the church, but so that we can grow, so that you can grow in your faith in Christ. How sad to come to the end of your life and never have made any deposits in your spiritual life to draw strength and hope and encouragement from. Well, then the fourth one was serve. Service is um, how we use our God-given gifts and abilities. All of us have them. All of you have been gifted by God with certain skills and talents and abilities. And serve is how you employ those for others. We are in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ. Why? Not so that we end up at the end of this life with a whole big faith. But so that we can bring blessings to the lives of others here and now. God's given you a gift. How are you using your gifts, your God-given gifts, to bless others? That's how you worship right? That's how you worship when you're not in the room. As that big heart pumps you out into the world, you bring those nutrients, you bring those skills, those talents, those things that you've learned, you bring them out into the world, out into the workplace, out into your home, out into your neighborhood, out into your community. You bring that out into the world to serve and to bless others. And it's going to look different for each of us. What's it look like for you? And then the fifth one. Invite. Invite. We're all called to be inviters. Not inviting people to church, although it may include that. But really what you're inviting people to is you're inviting them to follow Jesus. You're inviting them to be in the same place 
journey, on the same journey, in the same process that you're a part of. To be a follower of Jesus. To listen to what he said, to watch how he lived, to be challenged by the things that he said and did and and be informed by his motives, all of that stuff. You're inviting somebody to come on along and experience that. And you don't have to have elegant, elegant? You certainly don't need eloquent words. You don't even need eloquent words. You just need your own words. Just like the guy who invited Jerry to come to the Bible study. He was just a little annoying about it. But his passion, you couldn't miss it. He just wanted other guys to have the same experience he was having. And when Jerry got it, he got it. And he wanted that for other guys as well. And so it was just invitations. Why don't you come with me? Come with me to a worship service. Come with me to church. Come with me to the Bible study. Come with me to serve at the food pantry. It's an invite into this journey with friends because friends we believe that people ultimately want to meet God they may not talk about it that way but we believe that everybody desires to be connected to the transcendent to a higher power whatever they might call it we know it's Jesus this past week Um, I needed to uh, get an Uber from uh, here to home. And uh, so the the Uber driver, you know, pulls up, and I get in the car, and he said, what's that building? I said, oh, it's a church. Oh, I thought it was a hospital. (laughs) No, it's a church. Really? He said, I like Jesus. I said, cool. Me too. And he said, yeah, I like Jesus. My mom was Catholic. My dad was Jewish. My wife is Buddhist. But I like Jesus. But I think I like Buddhism. Like, okay, well, what is it about Buddhism you like? And he said, well, I just like the idea that, you know, whatever I get wrong in this life, I get to come back and do it a little bit better next time, and then the next time I'll do it a little bit better, and then the next time I'll do it a little bit better. You know, I kind of like that. I said, oh. I said, you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like I'm born, I blow it, and I die. I'm born, I blow it, and I die. And it's just this perpetual thing. You know what I like about Jesus? What I like about Jesus is it's not about what I do. It's about what he's done for me. I love the fact that Jesus, God in in the flesh, came and took on my sin. And that when I accept him, that he leads me, he forgives my sin, he leads me through this life, teaches me things in this life, gives me um, an abundant life right now. And that at the end of this life, I don't have to worry about whether I blew it or not. That I'll be accepted into eternity because of what Jesus did for me. And he said, you know, I like Jesus. (laughs) 
said, well, that's great. I had 11 minutes to talk to this dude. He pulled into the wrong driveway, my neighbor's driveway. So I had another 40 seconds as he pulled out and got into my driveway. And I said, you know, that church is a pretty great place. Would love to have you any week to come by. Meet some other folks who know Jesus. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. It's a simple invitation to be part of a process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. So it's about worship and connection. It's about growth and service. It's about invitation. All aspects of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And so as you listen to each of those, where are you? Where are you with regard to worship? Where are you in that connection? What's it look like in your life to be putting yourself in a position to grow? How are you using your God-given gifts to serve? And are you looking for opportunities to invite others to be part of that journey? Hey, would you stand with me as we close out in prayer? So this morning, if you've never invited Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin, the leader of your life, if all you've ever said is, you know, I like Jesus, this is an opportunity for you to right now invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would forgive my sin. Lord, I pray that you will conform me to your image. That I might become the man, the woman, that you dream for me to be. That I might experience the abundant life that you promise to the, those who follow you. And that I might have confidence that at the end of this life, I have the hope and the promise of eternal life with you. And for those of you who are following Christ, to ask him now, Lord, what are the things that you would have me do? Where are the areas that I am falling behind from following you? Holy Spirit, grow us, deepen our faith, Enrich it that we might be a blessing to others. And we'll be sure to give you the thanks and the praise always and in all ways. And God's people agreed and said, amen. amen. Hey, have a great week.